again tonight, and great to have you join us online. I want to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and go over to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. We're going to take a look at the life of Cain. The life of Cain. And we're going to talk a little bit tonight about Cain and false religion. Cain and false religion. It's an interesting story here we see in the Word of God regarding Cain and uh, what he does early in the Scriptures to see how uh, mankind exists and interacts with God and what God does in their life. And Cain is one of those characters that gives us a, uh, a glimpse at how early man fell into horrendous sin. Cain is the first man to murder somebody in Scripture. Now, you have to understand, it took a long time for this to happen. Adam and Eve were created by God. They had a son. The son killed the other son. Okay, that's how quick it happened. So I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that uh, we think that it took a, a great deal of time for humanity to become wicked and wicked enough to even commit such a heinous crime as murder. However, it did not take long at all. So if you have your copy of God's Word, let's look at Genesis chapter 4. And uh, we're going to focus on uh, probably about verse 4 on through 16. But uh, let's read God's Word tonight as we dive into it. And Adam knew Eva's wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she bare again a brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and unto his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou, uh, that shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield up her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. 
We're going to study this passage of Scripture tonight, and I know many of you have already learned my characteristics of when I speak and when I preach, and you're looking at 16 verses and saying, oh, Lord, help us. How long is this going to go? Okay, I promise you, I have, I have worked very hard to condense this down to an hour and 15 minutes. Okay, so we should be okay tonight. But I'll tell you, it is great to see you here tonight. And I'm telling you, I, I just want to let you know that, that uh, my passion in my life is serving God. And one of the greatest things I get to do, I get to, not I have to, I get to teach the Word of God. And it is just awesome to study it and learn more. And then it's awesome to be able to stand before y'all and give to you what God's given to me as I've learned. And tonight, I want to let you know I learned some really interesting stuff as I dove into the life of Cain. It's something that I've never really looked at before uh, until I began to do this study. And I thought it was interesting and felt like we could benefit from it as a congregation. So how did Cain create his own little false religion? That's the question. When you look at this passage of Scripture, you see that Cain emerges with his own false religion. He created his own little thing. If you look in the passage of Scripture here, he created his false religion by making a couple huge errors in his thinking. Let's look at the first one. If we look here, he, he see in verse 3, let's, let's go back to the beginning of the chapter here, verse 3, the Bible says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. We see, and Abel, he also brought forth of the first things of the flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Now, we have two, two people that come before God to present an offering. One of them is Cain, and he brings the fruit of the ground, and he presents it to the Lord. And the other one is Abel, and he brings the fruit of his flock, and he presents it to the Lord. And as we look here, we see that God, in verse 4, he had respect unto Abel. But if you look in verse 5, he could not respect or did not respect Cain's offering. You say, Bill, what's the significance of, of God accepting or rejecting these offerings? Well, there's a few things as I was studying I found out that I thought was very interesting. One of the things was that, in, in, first of all, we have to see the basis at why God accepted Abel's offering. It's the first offering mentioned. So take your copy of God Word, God's Word and turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And I know some of you are students of God's Word, and you already know Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith in Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see all of those in Scripture that are recorded regarding their massive uh, uh, acts of faith and how they're recorded and was counted to them for righteousness in their faith. So if you go back to Hebrews chapter 4, or chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, the Bible says, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. So we see here in verse 4, Abel offered it by what? What's the, what's the second word in the verse? By what? By faith. Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. When we look at the sacrifice of, of Cain, we see that God did not have a respect to Cain's sacrifice. And as we see that, it must have been a sacrifice that was not made by faith. 
That's the only thing we can come to the conclusion of. If, if Cain would have done it by faith, he would have been mentioned here with his brother. But he was not mentioned in, in this hall of faith in Hebrews, which would lead us to believe that his sacrifice was not a faith-based sacrifice. You say, uh, well, well, let's look at this. So in Leviticus 3.16, we see that the Lord, in, in that passage of Scripture, as we see the Levitical law, he puts an expectation on blood sacrifice and the acceptance of it and the fat of that sacrifice as, as what he would take to be his when you would get the covering for your sin. That led me to a deeper study of Leviticus chapter 3, verse 16, and to, okay, so where do we see uh, the first mention in Scripture of sacrifice. So that brings me to this point. In Scripture, we, as we study, we go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21. If you want to turn back over there real quick, you'll see that God in Genesis 3, 21, he takes the, um, the, the skins from uh, an animal. Uh, if you look here, Genesis 3, 21, under Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them? So we see here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, we see the law of first mentions in Scripture. If you're not familiar with that, if you're reading in Scripture and you're not understanding what's happening, one of the first tools as a student of God's Word is to go find wherever it's mentioned first in Scripture. Because God is a good teacher, amen? And typically when he mentions something first in Scripture... He gives us insight as to what it means and why it happens. We have to study, though. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, we see a significant little passage here. As we know the story, if you're a student of God's Word, and uh, maybe if you're not and you're just learning, you're starting out, uh, let me catch you up briefly. So Adam and Eve are created in the garden on the sixth day. As they live in the garden, there comes a point in time, uh, God tells them, you can touch of any tree, just don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They chose on their own with some speech from the, the, the serpent to not listen to God and to go their own path. And they ate of the fruit of that tree and willingly disobeyed God. And in doing that, their, their lives were ingrained with a sin nature that was active now. And that sin nature that's active gave them a separation from God and fellowship with God like they had before. So now Adam and Eve in their fallen state, Adam decides, well, I'm going to make, I'm going to make us some coverings because we're naked. So he, he takes coverings of fig leaves and he tries to make his own way to be able to be presentable to God. And in that, it's an epic failure, and God ends up explaining to them that, that their sin has caused a major issue. And you study Genesis chapter 3, and you see how God handles the fall of mankind and providing a redemptive opportunity for man to take place. But then we come to verse 21. We still have the problem that Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves before God, and God needs to show them that you can't cover yourselves for me. I have to be the one to cover you. Now, the understood, understand theologians see this differently in different ways. Some theologians uh, don't necessarily believe that God sacrificed a lamb and took the skins from the lamb and made these coverings for Adam and Eve. And some theologians do believe the context here, verse 21, would show us that God himself was the example to Adam and Eve and said, this is how you have to now 
worship and and you have to fellowship with me by coming periodically with a blood sacrifice and sacrificing an animal an innocent animal and god did that and then took those skins and covered them with those skins that is what the inference is here now i want to let you know that i am not a big proponent of inferences and believing something in scripture just because we might think it happened that way so i come to the story of cain and abel where did Cain and Abel get the idea that they needed to make a sacrifice to God? The only place that this could be possible is from mom and dad, right? So we, we, we can know this. We can know that though scripture doesn't give us a directive or a, a, a laid out story of what took place here, we know, we know a course of events, Adam and Eve fell in the garden, Adam and Eve had God intervene and, and a, a, some type of blood sacrifice was made because now we have animal skins. Creation was over, so God didn't just create them out of nothing. They, they came from a living animal. So he had to take those skins and prepare them and put them on Adam and Eve. And somehow, some way, between when they fell in the garden and when they had Cain and Abel, these young men, Cain and Abel, were taught that there was processes to have a relationship with God and in a blood sacrifice or in some type of burnt sacrifice that would be given to the Lord. Do we all follow that thinking? So we come to this passage and we understand that according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, that Abel sacrificed what he did based on his faith in what God had promised in Genesis chapter 3. He, he made this sacrifice based on faith that God is who he says he is and that he believes in him and wants to have fellowship with him. But we don't see Cain's name there, which would lead us to believe that Cain must not have made his sacrifice based on faith. Well, then what did he make his sacrifice based on? Well, I'm here to submit to you today that he submitted his sacrifice based on the fact that he was trying to earn God's grace or earn God's favor. As you look in the scriptures here, let's look over at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 12. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 12. That's not, not the John of the Gospels, the John back near Revelations. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 12. If you go there, the Bible says this regarding Cain. It says, Now as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Do you see what the Word of God says here? It tells us plainly that Cain's works of sacrifice were evil, whereas Abel's sacrifice was righteous. We see here that the, the, the behavior, the mindset, the heart of the sacrifice is what determined the acceptance of the sacrifice. I say all that to get to this point. It is not uncommon in in Levitical law, that the Jews could sacrifice barley and, 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 and grains and other things. They, they could burn those things as a sacrifice to God. It was not uncommon for God to accept things that weren't blood sacrifices. Okay, So understand that it's not a matter of, well, he brought fruits and vegetables, whereas Abel brought the sheep. That's not what the point is here. The point is the heart that the sacrifice was made with. 
Okay, so as we look at this and we study scripture, and if you want to reference that, you can look at Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 1, verse 4, verse 14, and verse 15. If you missed all those, you can watch it online and write them down. Okay, so it's Cain's attitude, it's Cain's heart that, that when he came before God with his sacrifice, it was his heart that determined God's ability to fellowship with him or not. Now, as one discharging debt, this is the way that, that Cain looked at this sacrifice. The idea here, uh, I love this. This is what uh, some of you, I know that when sometimes you mention the person John Calvin, people cringe because they think of Calvinism and all of that. But I want to let you know that there are many things that John Calvin wrote that are solid and, and right on. Okay, uh, So don't, don't discredit everything. So John Calvin says this, the, the, the heart of, of Cain was the heart of one that's trying to discharge debt by an external sacrifice without the least of intentions of dedicating himself to God. The idea here is I'm going to go through the motions of what the expectation is because this is what is expected of me. This is, as I said before, this is what we see here as by thinking that his works could earn God's acceptance, Cain behaved this way. And in his behavior, we have to understand his behavior was rooted in a heart attitude. His heart attitude was, I'm going to do this so God will do this. It was not, I'm going to come by faith because I love God and I want to have fellowship with him. So what we see here is, he, he behaves this way, and in doing so, we see that his sacrifice was not accepted. One last thing before we move to our next point. Abel, if you look in ver chapter 4, let's look in chapter 4 and verse uh, 4 and 5 again. In, in, uh, in verse 3 and 4, notice with Cain, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, right? Do you see that in verse 3? In verse 4, Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock. Can you, y'all are reading the same thing I'm reading. What do you see in the difference between what Cain brought and what Abel brought? The first fruits, the, first, the firstlings of the flock. Listen, the idea here also is in Cain's mindset, he just brought some fruit that he had. He did not bring the first fruits of his garden. He kept them for himself. And then he brought others. You say, well, Bill, how can, you, how can you be sure of that? Well, do you think that if God recorded in his word specifically that Abel brought his firstlings, don't you think if Cain brought his first fruits, that would have been spelled out too for Cain? This goes back to showing the heart situation in Cain's life. There was a heart issue. You know, in, in the scriptures, um, we see the Lord uh, teaches in the Gospels. He says, listen, if you come to the altar with a sacrifice or with an offering and you have aught against a brother, what's he say to do? He says, leave your offering 
and then go take care of the business with your brother. And the idea here is, is that once you take care of the business with your brother, he's going to accept your offering as an offering of faith and an offering of righteousness that you are genuine about giving. But if you come bring your offering and then you leave and not take care of your ought with your brother, then you have a heart issue and you need to get it fixed. You know what that actually means in, in, its, in its entirety? It means that though you're sitting here putting money or, or doing something for the Lord in an offering, a worship venue, but your heart hates, has, has hatred towards uh, someone in, in, in this world, you have to understand that what you're doing and going through the motions in your worship is not being accepted by God because there's a heart issue that shows that you aren't genuinely wanting to worship and have fellowship with God because you're allowing hate to become an idol in your life and it's blocking your ability to have that close relationship with God. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you can't talk to God. It doesn't mean God won't talk to you. It means that when you try to worship and offer to him some act of worship to let him know that you value him, he looks at your offering and says, but if you value me, why are you doing this? See, when we look in Scripture and we see this, we've got to understand that coming to God and worshiping him with sacrifice is something that is, is born from a heart of sacrifice and worship. It's a heart of faith. It's a heart of obedience. It's a heart of trying to make sure that we are, in effect, uh, reaching out to God in our worship to let him know how valuable he is and how much we love him. Not because he needs to hear it from us, but because we have the faith believing that this is our God and this is who he is and there is none greater. And we love the privilege, honor, and opportunity to provide to him just a little piece of this earth. Listen, we see the first thing that Cain's false religion contained was by thinking that he could achieve God's acceptance through his own offering. How about the second thing we see in this passage? We see in verses 6 and 7, it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be the desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Disobedience always leaves us feeling separated from God. Did you know that? When we know we're living in a disobedient heart, a rebellious heart against God, we are always going to know that there is something there that doesn't belong there. Even though God has, has not gone anywhere, we know that we in our heart aren't where we ought to be when we disobey God. This is what we see here even back in Genesis chapter 4 with Cain. See, we see in this passage of Scripture, he says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why are you mad? Why is your countenance fell? What is the problem? And Cain is mad because his offering was not accepted, but Abel's was. So in the process of thinking through this, God says, Listen, just get it right. Look at verse 7. He says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Cain, if you do what's right, won't your offering be accepted? If you're doing what's right with the right heart, you will be accepted. Your offering will be accepted just like your brother's was. But then he gives another aspect to this. He says, and if thou doest not well, he says, sin lieth at the door. Interesting little, little 
catchphrase here, sin lieth at the door. When you study this out in the original text, you'll find out that the, the picture drawn here in the statement, sin lieth at the door, is almost as if sin is like a rabid beast waiting to consume him the moment he steps out into a vulnerable situation. And the idea here, look at what he continues to say, sin lieth at the door. There's a ravenous beast of sin waiting to devour you. And he says, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. He says, listen, he says, listen sin is, is ready to devour you and consume you. And you need to be careful. He says, Cain, this, this ought not be your desire, but if you get ahead of this, that, that statement at the end, thou shalt rule over him. He says, if you get ahead of this, you can rule over this ravenous beast and not allow it to overtake you. You have a choice. Isn't it great to know God gives second chances? Even though God didn't accept his offering, he comes back and he says, listen, Cain, I want to have fellowship with you. This is what's going on. Fix it. It's your heart. We see here in 1 John, um, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the love of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Listen, folks, by thinking that we can live our own way without having repercussions in our life, we're deceiving ourselves. People who, who, who begin to get off the path of, of the right relationship with God, they, they tend to do so because they allow themselves to slip into a mindset that the repercussions will not fall on them. Somehow they're going to avoid or not have to deal with it. But the reality is when we allow the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life to attack us as a beast that's waiting to consume us, when we allow it to attack us and we don't control it and we don't keep it in its place, we run the risk of allowing ourselves to fall into a pattern in life where we will embrace them and we will allow them to consume us and then we will get so disheartened, we will get so disconnected, we will become so blinded by what's happening that we'll actually begin to believe that the repercussions will won't happen. Folks, this is exactly what happened to Cain. By thinking that he could live his own way without repercussions, he made choices in his conversation with God here in verse 6 and 7. And we see those choices emerge in verse 8. See, if we don't fight against the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and the ravenous beasts that they are in our humanity... We are guaranteed in our flesh to fall victim to sin and its traps. Verse 8, we see here the Bible says, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against his Abel, his brother, and slew him. Here's what sin does to you. When you fall into the trap and the beast begins to consume you and devour you, you not only think that there aren't going to be repercussions, you think, in many cases, that others are the cause of your sin. You begin to blame others because of this in your life. And folks, we see here, as, Ab as Cain and Abel talk, 
Cain is mad. He's, he's mad at God. He's mad at his brother. And Cain, in his anger and in his fit, he can't kill God. So what does he do? He kills the person he can. He, listen, I want you to think about this. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus, he says, listen, it has been said, the Scripture says that you shall not kill. But what did Jesus teach right after that? He says, I'm, I'm telling you, let's take it up a notch. It's not just about killing somebody. It's if you hate your brother, you've already killed him. Listen, as believers, we think so many times, I mean, let me rephrase that. You guys might not have this problem. I do, okay? You may not ever have to worry about this, but old Bill has to get in my flesh and what I live with. You know, it's real easy to blame other people for why I have problems. It's real easy to blame other people for the repercussions of the decisions I make. I say the wrong thing. Well, it's that person's fault because they didn't accept it right. Well, maybe I didn't say it right. Maybe I shouldn't have said it at all. Listen, we get into a mindset. Excuse me, let me rephrase. I get into a mindset. I'm preaching to me while I'm doing this study thinking that other people are the cause of my problems and my sin. And when the Lord starts to convict me, I begin to, God, why are you convicting me? You need to be convicting them. I can tell by the look on your face, I'm the only one that faces this problem. So Cain wanted the fellowship with God. I want you to consider this. Cain, if Cain did not want the fellowship of God, he would not have been going through this cycle to try to, to get it. The problem is his heart wasn't in the right place and he was trying to go about it all the wrong ways. Cain's sin was compounded by an uncontrolled anger from his offering being rejected of God. So Cain thought his brother was the reason. If my brother's not here, then I don't have an issue of being rejected by God because no one else is here to offer an offering that's accepted by God. Isn't it amazing how our human minds work? The more Cain worked on his own power to have fellowship with God, the further and further he pushed himself away from God. And folks, I'm here to tell you, it's not just about us thinking, by thinking that we can achieve God's acceptance through work that we do without the right faith heart. It's not just about by thinking that he could have lived his own way without repercussions. It's not just about thinking that others were the cause of his sin. But how about the next thing we see here in verse 9? And the Lord God said unto Cain, Where is thy brother Abel? And he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? He says, And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground, and now thou art cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And thou tillest the ground, and shalt not henceforth yield up her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from, the face, uh, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me will slay me. I want you to look at a progression of events here. As Cain had this mindset that he would not have any accountability to God. He thought he'd be able to get away with his sin. Somehow, someway, this is what he thought. He didn't realize and he didn't think the repercussions would be there. 
As we look at this passage of Scripture, we see the first thing that we notice in verse 9. Cain lied to God. Now, I know that none of us would ever do this when we were under conviction, okay? I know it's way beyond any member or attendee of Oakleaf Baptist Church to ever try to lie to God. If you're anything like me, you've been there, right? Come on now, let's be honest. We're all family here. It won't leave the room except for on the live stream, okay? Cain lies to God. I, I don't know where he's at. The next thing we see here, Cain becomes disrespectful with God. Am I my brother's keeper? As if to say, God, aren't you doing your job? Hmm. Cain was still accountable to God in verse 10. You look here, and he said, What hast thou, God says, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. He says, He says, Cain, he says, I know you're not your brother's keeper. And I know what you did to him because his blood is crying out to me from the ground. You can't hide things from me. Isn't it amazing how even as believers, we come to church week after week, month after month, year after year, we learn the Bible, we memorize scriptures, and yet so many times we think that when we sit in our lives, we're going to get away with it. Come on, now I'm not the only one. Y'all keep looking at me funny. We think we're going to get away with it. Oh, it was just this. It's not a really big deal. Listen, Cain, he lies to God. He disrespects God. And then Cain learns, oh, wow, God really does know what I did. We see here the one thing that, that I brought into this in, in my study notes. I made a little note here. Basically, it says false religion or false religions are eternally empty. When we look at what happened here, Cain took his brother's life. It was an eternal decision. Abel's not coming back. It's done. You can't go back and fix this. It's complete. It was an eternal choice. And what happens is in our lives is we make choices. And if we're not being ruled by the faith that we have in God and the life that we have in Jesus Christ, if we allow something else to become the factor that controls and works in us, if we allow the beast of sin to devour us and we make these decisions, there are decisions that we make that have eternal effects that cannot be changed. We see here that Cain refused to repent. Look at verse 11. And now art thou cursed from the earth. I think this is interesting. Cain thought God's judgment was too harsh in verse 13. But let's look and see what, what God says here. God removed the blessing from the very thing that Cain tried to justify himself with. Look at that. Verse 12. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. God took Cain's idol and rendered it useless to Cain. Isn't it amazing how so many times when we allow sin to catch us up and to, to, to take us, that when it comes time for us to repent, God can take that idol that we put in our life and render it useless to us if we just do it in his power? But Cain here, he ends up having to deal with 
the repercussions of his sin. Now art thou cursed from the earth. In verse 11, the, listen, it's not just about Cain being cursed. He's cursed from the earth. Look at what God says in verse 11, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood. It's a repercussion of the blood that you shed into the ground. Verse 13, Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Isn't it amazing that when we allow ourselves to be caught up in sin and our own idols, that when it comes time for repentance, that we always, 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 we, we know the grace of God, but the consequences of sin so many times could be more than we can bear. Broken families, death, hardship financially, the list goes on of repercussions of, of sin choices in our life because we create idols and, and our own little false religions in our lives, just like Cain did. Sin has a cost. Look at verse 14. I thought this was really fascinating, and we're almost done with our study here tonight. Verse 14, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and look what he says, and from thy face shall I be hid. It's not just about Cain and the repercussions of the guilt that he has to live with because he killed his brother. But he's going to be removed from the ability to take the strength of the earth, which, by the way, he was a gardener. He was a farmer. This was his life. He knew how to grow stuff. And God says, it doesn't matter how hard you try anymore, it ain't going to happen. And then he says, and by the way, you're going to be removed from my presence, my face. And Cain says, man, that's too much. That's, I'm going to be driven out of fellowship with God. Verse 14 through 16 gives us this. Cain feared for his life in God's judgment, verse 14. He says, listen, when people find me, they're going to try to slay me. God marked Cain so no one would kill him. That's a whole other Bible story in and of itself. And then he settles Cain settles in the land of Nod. little interesting fact at the end of our study for tonight. Do you know what Nod means? I know some of you are thinking, the land of Nod, that's when you're falling asleep in church constantly. You just, no. The land of Nod, Nod in the Hebrew is translated into wandering. God told him he was going to wander for the rest of his life. The Bible says that he settled in the land of Nod, the land of wandering. As a believer, when we get our hearts into a state where we become so rebellious, where we refuse to repent and, and sin begins to, to, to ravish our, our lives and devour us and all this stuff begins to happen, we begin to, 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 to try to move around from place to place to find happiness or solace or comfort or, or, or some type of relief from the pain of us feeling that we're not in fellowship with God. And all God wants us to do is come to him in faith and say, please, I, I know I've allowed sin to come into my life. Then 1 John 1, 9 says, if I confess my sin, you'll be faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I want that sweet fellowship again. And I know you haven't went anywhere, but I know that I have, I have moved on my own and God I want to get back to you in a heart of contrition a heart of repentance a heart of faith that believes that God can restore that fellowship it's one that keeps you from wandering any longer and allows you to rest in the fellowship and the love but what does false religion look like in our lives we think that we can work to achieve God's approval or grace 
well, I'm just going to work. I'm going to do this stuff for the church, or I'm going to do this stuff for people so God thinks better of me. Listen, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross of Calvary for you. He loved you. were in a sinner. There is nothing you can do as a believer to get a greater love from God. His love is as consistent as it could ever be. When you were a sinner, he loved you. When you got saved, he loved you. God loves you. You're not going to change that love. Romans tells us that very clearly. Not height, not depth, not principalities, not powers, not things in heaven, not things on earth, not things under the earth. Not, I mean, nothing, nothing. Even you can't separate yourself from the love of God. Whether you're saved or unsaved, God still loves you. And it's not going to change no matter what you do. You can't earn more love and you can't lose his love. It's equal, it's constant, it's regular. It doesn't change. But what he desires from us is that we embrace that and live our lives in faith and worship to him. But when we go into a mindset, and I know this is big within church life, where we think we can achieve more love and grace from God if we do more for him, we're deceiving ourselves and we're creating an idol. We think that we can live our own way without repercussions. I'm going to do my own thing and do these things, but what you don't understand is those things are empty, and the repercussions of that is you make foolish choices and foolish decisions because of the emptiness and then we think because we're not feeling more love, maybe we're not seeing more exponential blessings in our life financially or, or whatever you may have expected from all the things that you're trying to do to achieve God's approval more and more and more. We begin to blame others because we don't get what we think we deserve. Well, what about them? Look at the money they have. Well, they don't even come to church but once a month. And man, look at the jobs they have and the cars they drive and the house they... Y'all are looking at me again like I'm talking stupid. Listen, I know. I, I've been at this long enough to know and talk to people long enough. Listen, this is the mindset we fall into, and we don't mean to. It's our humanity. So we think that, that blaming others helps us to feel better. And then when the day comes and we realize all this is emptiness and we start looking at our accountability of what we've done, we start realizing, man, the repercussions of this is more than I can bear because of the way I've behaved and the things that I've said and how I've treated people. Listen, folks, we can look at the life of Cain and we can become very judgmental. We can, we, can, we can look at him as, as someone who's just a horrible, horrible, horrible person. Or we can look at him and say, I can see myself in Cain. And I know I need to be careful. I need to be extra careful and make sure that my heart of faith is where it needs to be. That when I come to worship, that I make sure I'm prepared and the singing I do and the giving I do and the fellowship I do and all of this that I do to present to the Lord as a gift, I need to make sure I'm doing it out of faith, reverence, and love for God. And as we do that, realizing that it's all for Him, not to earn more from Him, but to live out what He's done for us because of who He is. It'll change everything. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for how you care for us, God. You are so good to us. And in our humanity, we are so foolish sometimes. And we get caught up by the flesh in so much. And it's just amazing to know, God, that even when we mess up, you don't love us any less. 
God, I pray that you'll help us. Help us to consider the gifts that we give, the faith that we worship in. Help us to make sure that it's a faith in God and what we do is specifically to be able to live in honor and glory for you. And not that we're doing it to get something from you. Now, God, as we meet tonight, I thank you for the word. I thank you for the believers here tonight, what you're doing in our lives and in our church. And I pray, God, that you'll help us to check our hearts as we come into worship. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Maybe you need to use the altar tonight. It's open. Maybe you need to just have a conversation with God about your heart.